This episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can head to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly and get bonus content multiple times per week. Thank you to everyone who supports the show, and I look forward to meeting more of you soon. So, okay, Outlast 2 is a video game, and it's one that... You can't, you can't prove that. <laughs> in a court of law, I could maybe prove it's a video game, and it's one that has been kind of, like, lurking in the background, like, I need to talk about it at some point, and this episode is actually like two years in the making because you messaged me on Instagram almost mm-hmm. two years ago saying, hey, I'm glad somebody mentioned that Outlast 2 is a really weird and gross game because I I know that and nobody ever talks about it. Yeah, it gets, it gets a lot of praise might be kind of strong, but I think that it just sort of rides the wave of YouTube spooks. Mm. Where everyone just says it's good because it's quote unquote scary. I feel like no one finished it, probably. Like, uh, out of all the people mm-hmm. I can think of that I know personally that played it, they probably didn't finish it. They probably just played like three hours in the dark and said it was a good game and went back to playing Diablo 3 or something. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's accurate because I'm one of the sad, sad souls who actually played this whole game. And I couldn't believe it when I reached the end. And it's funny because it's definitely one of the most like <clears throat> gross and inappropriate out of pocket and shocking like endings to a game. But at the same time, I almost like never considered doing an episode on it because I would never, ever ask somebody to play this game like ever, you know, and so I, I kind of was just like, I'll never do an episode. on it. But then, hey, you're on the show. And I was like, oh, yeah. Justin's, Justin's played this yeah, shit. Yeah, I unfortunately um, have played it. I yeah. was. It took me a while to get it. I think I played it a yeah. few months after it came out, and I was super duper hyped to play it because I didn't watch any trailers or anything. I just knew it was another one. Yeah, another one. Yeah. and within an hour an hour and a half I probably had already made up my mind that I was <laughs> that I was not gonna finish it but I think I I think my playtime was right around four hours mm-hmm. when I um, uninstalled it yeah um, which is not super far into the game but also like because of some of the game's shortcomings you you kind of knew which way the wind was blowing already 
you know, like... So let's get a couple things out of the way first before we talk about this game. Um, number one, content warning. Uh, this game <laughs> discusses really weird, tasteless stuff. It's all about cults. It's all about sexual assault. Um, it's, it's real gnarly. So if that kind of stuff is not what you want to hear about and like, I don't know, that's what we're going to talk about because that's what they put into this game. Um, the other thing, this game is, is terrible and no one should play it. So if <laughs> this is like your favorite game and you'll be offended by people talking about why this game is like a failure on every level, then you probably also shouldn't listen to this episode because like... This is probably the game that, of like modern games, that I have like the strongest opinions about and was like so like taken aback by this game, you know? And I guess the other thing is that like spoilers, sort of, because like we're gonna talk about like where this game goes with the story and what happens in the story, but like I just alluded to, I don't think any of it is actually shocking in and of itself. It's all pretty obvious that like that's where the game is going, like from the beginning, but. I was just more taken aback when I played it. I was like, they actually did this? Like, this is actually what they chose to do? So, and I still like the first game. I mean, and we'll, that will come up throughout this discussion mm -hmm. because, like, the first game is just a simple idea done well. And the second game is what could we pile on top of it without vetting any of these ideas? You know, it's like you took a bunch of gross teenage boys and was like, what's scary <laughs> and then just jacked them up on Mountain Dew and then took all their ideas and we're like we have to use every single one of them we can't filter anything out you know and uh, that's Outlast 2 basically one thing that's crazy to me about Outlast 2 is that like I mentioned a minute ago it's a game that looks really good um, both in the sense of like the graphics and the art design and the style everything is like very beautiful uh, and just from like watching clips of it or watching someone play it for a little bit, you're like, damn, this game looks good. Like, I want to play this game. Yet, it is also just like a failure on every single level. And uh, I'll, I'll never forgive this game for being such a hot pile. <laughs> you know, it came out in 2017. It came out right around the same time as Resident Evil 7. Uh, which I think is kind of interesting because those were two like really big hyped up and uh, eagerly awaited horror games and I do think Outlast 2 definitely got overshadowed by Resident Evil 7 um, you know Outlast 2 did receive mixed reviews ultimately I mean a lot of people do praise it and a lot of people do hold up as a good game but if you look at the critic scores you know they're definitely not as high as the original game and it has kind of garnered somewhat of a, a reputation since. And, you know, I think a lot of that is down to the fact that, you know, more people were hyped up about and playing Resident Evil 7 than were playing uh, Outlast 2, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is just another one of those games and the, the amnesia vein of survival horror and having, like, a big marquee franchise doing that is just gonna just be way more exciting than this than a sequel to something that was not like an amazing game but a good one and mm -hmm. definitely got most of its circulation thanks to just YouTube bait stuff <laughs> sure I do think though the original Outlast is 
kind of worth holding in high regard though just because of how much of a game changer it was like obviously amnesia did invent this genre which i've said before um i've done multiple episodes talking about these type of games i call them hide em ups because uh, that's what you do <laughs> you hide there's no combat um it's like a more tense version of a walking sim uh, yeah, Outlast was a big deal, not only because a lot of people liked it and it brought something, kind of a new perspective to this type of game, but also because it was very, very profitable. It was made on a relatively low budget and sold a lot of copies, which like immediately gets people paying attention and is definitely part of the reason why we have a lot more games in this style, good and bad, you know? Because people are kind of like, oh, you can make one of these cheap and then sell a bunch of copies of it. I think the found footage aspect of it probably helps carry it a little bit, too. That was by the time I think found footage was starting to trail off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it was just being way too overdone. But I, I think I think when you're in that downward slope for something. That makes something that does it well stand out a little bit more. It doesn't it doesn't bring the downward slope back up, but it it allows you to stand out a bit if you can manage to do it well, especially in something that isn't a film. Yeah, using the night vision so frequently as you're kind of forced to do sort of helps distract from the fact that all the environments are really samey mm-hmm. as part of the the low budget aspect of it because yeah. you pretty much only have. Three, I think, sort of areas, types of areas, maybe four. Yeah. And there's just a lot of shared like trash models and textures and stuff. Yeah, for sure. So maybe that's a good thing to talk about for a sec is like what made the original Atlas kind of striking in its time, you know? So like you say, it does have the found footage aesthetic, which uh, it's hard for me to say whether or not there's an up or a downswing because I'll watch any of those movies because I'm a fucking idiot. Like, I, I really can't <laughs> tell you why for some reason. Like, even though I know most of them are garbage, I'm just like, boom, footage. <laughs> Yay. Uh, but, um, you know, it, you were, you're definitely correct is that like there were a glut of those, you know, it had been years already since uh, Cloverfield, been a few years since REC. Like we're kind of we're kind of entering like the trash movie phase of found footage, but we hadn't seen it yet in video games. So I think that's one thing that you know devs t- try from time to time is just like let's just take something from movies. Like even if you're a few years behind, there aren't a bunch of found footage type of video games, and like even now there are. So now that aesthetics like played out, but. In 2013, it wasn't, and so it made Outlast stand out, but also it was like a very elegant choice, like you say, because the game is kind of ugly. Um, It's very basic, it's kind of dingy looking. As with most walking sims, like the character models and animations are not very good, but unlike most walking sims, they try to put a lot of stuff on screen. So you might go through an area that has four or five enemies, or like you might be you know, in a place that has, you know, a lot of kind of character action going on. Um, And so the way that they mask a lot of that is by having you look through a camcorder with night vision for most of the game. Um, And it's a really good choice. I think it works super, super well in that game. There's a bit more of a thematic reason for why the camcorder's there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like it does sort of deal with the like, why are you filming this problem that found footage often has. Mm-hmm. Outlast 2 kind of doesn't. 
So that, yeah, that actually is a really good point that in the original Outlast, and I mean, I guess in Outlast 2 as, as well, it does solve that why are you filming problem because you can put down the camera. Um, and so that was, I remember at the time playing the first one and being like, this is a revelation. Cause I had already watched like 80,000 found footage movies. Once you again, all of them. I watched all of them once again. Cause I think I'm missing something <laughs> in my heart, <laughs> but like, yeah, you're uh, missing the footage. You need to find it. <laughs> yeah. Where's the found footage to complete, uh, <laughs> my emotional core. Oh, save that for a Valentine for Monica. That'd be good. <laughs> You're the found footage that completes my heart. And it's like a video of someone being like eviscerated by like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever she's into. That's, <laughs> that's for you to figure out. Yeah. yeah no, not in the clowns. Who is in the clown stuff? Um, um, people who like the Joker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the Joker. Yeah. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Why so serious, etc. Exactly. Um, God, I've had to think about the Joker so much lately. It's so fucked up, dude. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I totally lost my train of thought thinking about the Joker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I had watched so much found footage that I thought like Outlast was genius. And I was like, oh, man, like found footage should just only be in video games because this works like so well. Uh, so, you know, then you hear about Outlast 2. You get to check out Outlast 2. Outlast 2 is where basically all of the uh, attributes or the, the things that were like good in the first game kind of quickly flip over to being really, really bad. <laughs> um, and before we even get into the really spicy like story stuff, uh, you know, the stuff you have to like warn people before you talk about, I do think there's a lot of just basic like nuts and bolts game shit that they really fuck up in Outlast 2. And the first one is the camera. Because, like, the first game was ugly as shit. So, like, look at it through night vision, no problem. The second game is, like, gorgeous. Like, absolutely stunning. You know, it's set, like, outside, basically in, like, a rural area. The lighting, the colors, everything is gorgeous. So, like, when you're standing at the top of an area, you're looking out and seeing all the scenery. And then it's like, okay, great. Now let me pull up my shitty camera and look at it through night vision. And it looks awful. Yeah, in the first game, that night vision served, like we said, to sort of, to sort of Silent Hill fog the game. Uh-huh. But also, it makes a lot of stuff creepier. Yeah, because everything glows, everyone's eyes glow, mm-hmm. and it kind of just adds a haze to everything. That, especially if you're like really trying to manage your battery usage, it adds a another layer of tension to where if you if you're like looking around night vision and some you startle someone and they start to chase you 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 have to do the like close your camera like start running thing yeah and it's just an extra it's it's basically ammo scarcity for the game i Mm. guess as like a a little layer of of extra tension and yeah and two you have a game with so much like volumetric lighting and crazy reflections and just like actually well done geometry and not just like vanilla Unreal Engine assets or whatever. Yeah. That looking through that camera is just sort of, sort of Bobo. Yeah. And not to be too like logic prevails, 
but there's so many more reasons for why the batteries are anywhere they are in the first game versus this one. Because uh-huh. you go into someone's like pig slaughtering shed <laughs> where there's nothing but pitchforks and hay and yeah. like guts and a screwdriver that was made in 1847. Uh-huh. And then there's a battery. Just, a, <laughs> just, just one battery. Just one battery. Because we all know you put you put one double A into a camera and suddenly it works. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it makes no sense in context of the environment. It sticks out like a sore thumb because everything like shines really brightly. You know. Can you turn that off? Yeah, because I think in the first one you had the option of turning that off if you wanted to. Oh, or maybe it was a much dimmer effect or something. Mm. Um, yeah, because I, I remember know. like walking past them a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think there were some instances where you might find a note left somewhere that would actually be it would tell you like where you could find a battery or something. Yeah, like there's a little like that was a little more intentional. And then in this one, it's just a holdover from the first game. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. And especially like with the jump in the graphical fidelity and everything looking super realistic, it all just like comes off as really goofy. Like the fact that I'm looking for these batteries is suddenly like very, very goofy. And like the fact, you know, the fact that I'm using a camera, but everything looks like super crazy and real. Yeah, like I, even when we played a little bit of it together, I was like, I'm now thinking as if it's real. And I'm like, why don't I have to change my SD cards also? And also, yeah, like, are there, like, literally just hundreds of, like, Nikon rechargeable batteries littered around this environment that each cost, like, $70? Who are these (laughs) fucking weird, like, evil farmer people? They are loaded up on batteries, dude. There is just a way to make a better game around all that. Like, if you really want to keep the the stealth aspect of it, the the hide-em-up part, Mm -hmm. um... They could have done better than just shoehorning in the camera and the batteries and, and that whole system. You just give them a flashlight and you just have to put the flashlight up when it's time to be stealth mode. Yes. Have an effect where your your vision adjusts. Like if you sit in the darkness for a couple seconds, your 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 sight starts to improve or something. There's Yeah. I'm no game developer, but that sounds yeah. like a pretty decent idea to me. Well, it's yeah, there are many problems tied into this mechanic and the stealth like you're talking about because like another really baffling choice they decide to make well the choice itself isn't baffling it's just how they you know actually worked into the game but basically they decide they want all the environments to be much larger and the way that they manage that is basically that they make the stealth more realistic for lack of a better term so now Basically, if you stay in darkness and you stay in tall grass or you just stay out of the way, you can potentially be in cover. That's a big change from the first game because in the first game, it was literally just hide under a bed or get in the locker and then wait to see if RNG decides that you get caught or don't get caught, you know? Um, in this game, it you know, on its face, it's like, oh, it's more sophisticated now, but it's also not really actually more sophisticated. Like, it just doesn't seem to really make much sense at all. Um, like, sometimes you'll get caught even though you're totally in cover, and the only way you'll even know is that the music kicks up. Uh, other times you'll be able to walk right past a dude, like you're just literally right in front of his face and he won't see you. 
Um, it seems to be largely like nonsensical. And in order to, you know, still work in the camera aspect, they make everything pitch fucking black. So like you're in these huge environments where most of it is just incomplete and utter darkness, which is not scary and not engaging in this game because it's like, well, you can either look through your camera and burn some of your battery or you can just like sit there and wait for as long as you want because no one will catch you over there. But it just ends up being kind of boring and also taking away from the visual element of the game. You know, it's like you shouldn't always just be covering the player in like actual like darkness, you know? One thing I don't think is true, and maybe you were going to get to that. I don't really think the environments are all that open. They're still extremely, maybe not linear, but they are, they still feel like corridors, even when you're yeah. outside you're still funneled by fencing and rows of houses and like dirt roads that they've made in the in the village or you know whatever yeah. like it gives the illusion of a little more space but ultimately it's still pretty confined and it and in its largest it seems to just be maze like mm -hmm. and that's you know like the only difference between this game and the first game is the first game mostly took place in a like inside of a building, but even some rooms in that building were like multi-story. It was an asylum. It was pretty big. So yeah, there's like a whole like a whole like penitentiary block basically at one point. Yeah, that's probably technically more space than most of the areas in Outlast Two. Yeah, because you're not you're not able to like free roam. You're still being funneled through a, like a linear game. So. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's the big change is that they're just outside. And I do agree. I think they're still mostly pretty small and linear, but it is also really easy to get lost. Mm -hmm. Like you saw that like somehow I managed to get lost like every single place we went. And because you can now stealth around by just like taking cover and not have to like hide in a locker and wait it's really easy to just start doing loops. Like I literally in one of the first areas of the game just ended up doing loops around everybody and I never got caught, but I also like couldn't leave because I was just going in circles. Uh, it's, it's pretty fucked up, but yeah, I think it's also just like the change to the stealth makes it really frustratingly random, even more than the first game where it's like literally a dice roll. Like, in this game, it's just like, well, is this guy going to see me, you know? And that's kind of its own sort of frustration that I think is even worse than the first game. Well, yeah, so in order to make the stealth more viable, I guess, all they really did was widen the areas a bit in order to add bits of high grass or to add an extra shed you could walk into or a barrel you could get inside of or wherever you're going to go. But everything looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing's painted. Nothing is engineered to look any different. There, You can go to an area, and there's four, like, gates that all pretty much look identical with no real, no real like, environmental tell as to which one's the one you need to go to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, I don't know how much is it. I don't remember how much is in the menus, for like the things you can turn on and off to make it more of like a quote unquote immersive sim and more of a or more of a like a game where it highlights things for you. Yeah. On its face, you there should be some like built-in environmental guidance for that stuff and it's not really there. 
you're just getting chased by Billy Bob, even though he's on the other side of the cornfield. <laughs> yeah, well, so that's the other thing that the game tries to do with the kind of stealth and hiding aspect is that it has stuff chase you. So first, of course, you know, you encounter some big bads, like there is a creepy old hag lady uh, who carries a giant cross and like is kind of the mascot of the game. She's sort of this game's tall lady, if you yeah, will. Tall, tall lady is uh, ugly sister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and not not horny either. Uh, mm. <laughs> I don't think she's very horny. She's very religious. So she'll kind of chase you around, but those are pretty short segments. They're more like puzzles, and you kind of just have to do a sequence of tasks in the correct order in order to escape. Um, There's not much to it. The other thing that they'll do is these chase sequences, and this is really where the game kind of lost me completely because there are so many of these in the game. Like... It almost feels like once per area, they do a sequence that once again is super linear that you have to run through while people chase you. If you go too slow, you die. If you get caught, you die. And it's always very complex. Like you're meant to go through these really crazy tight quarters or crawl under a house or do all this really complex movement while people are yelling at you and chasing you. And the only way I got through it was I would just die over and over and over until I had memorized the whole route and then I would just go and do it. Um, it's very, very bad. Like, it sucks a lot, you know? And it's frustrating because it's done much better in the first game. Like, there are relatively long sections of the first game where, like, a big dude will be hunting you, but because it's a little bit more open-ended and you can kind of hide or move around stealthily, it's not super frustrating. Like, you might die once and have to reload and then you'll get it. Uh, The fact that these are so narrow and so linear uh, makes them really, really frustrating because if you step out of line once, you die, you know? So, like, I just think the whole design of this game is so weird and obtuse and frustrating because it's like they wanted to make it more open-ended and open area, but then they also wanted it to be super tight and linear and cinematic. And it's, like, the most, like, frustrating game design I've maybe ever come across, you know? I mean, it really just seems like the first game was so successful and just so, like, outstripped what they thought they were going to be able to do with it that they were just like, okay, this one needs to be the big one, you know? Like, because, like, if you look up interviews, I'm I'm kind of looking at quotes from it, and it seems just, like, really generic stuff where it's like, oh yeah, we wanted to do something bigger and better. We wanted to push ourselves to do something new. We didn't want to tread the same ground. And I I feel like that's kind of what I was saying earlier, where it's just like, I feel like they just put every idea into it and the mix of ideas doesn't work and most of the ideas also don't work, you know? There are influences in this game that are pretty obvious. Like, you know, they talk about MK Ultra like they did in the first game. Um, you know, they talk about stuff like that. It's about a cult. So the vibe is like Jonestown or, you know, Waco or whatever, but it's, it's not really done in any sort of like enlightening way. You know, it's not very unique or interesting. It's just like, oh, here's this stuff. You know, this stuff. Apparently it was a mass suicide. 
Jonestown? what happened in, in Jonestown. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know all yeah. about Jonestown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. Sorry. Sorry, oh. everyone. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Big uncultured swine energy over here. Oh, no. It just means... I mean, did you not have your being obsessed with cults phase? Mm-mm-mm. Nope. That's okay. It's fine. It's well, I'm a little too afraid of death to be obsessed <laughs> with cults. So. It's not necessary to your human development, but a lot of us had a <laughs> being obsessed with cult phase. <laughs> I feel completely neutral towards my uh, being obsessed with cult phase in my early 20s. But yeah, it's just... There's just a lot of odd choices in in the game design, and I think they they start to bleed into the story, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about them like before we talked about the story, because um, it kind of like sets the scene for like how the game delivers the story to you. Um, and I and I think that's something too that's like a big change in this game, which is that. You know, similar to the first game where the story is kind of vague, it seems like they wanted to keep a lot of the details of it really vague. So they hide a lot of the concrete answers to plot questions behind like really wonky game mechanics. But because of the emphasis on chases and stealth and all that kind of stuff, it makes all of it like really frustrating to find within the game. Um, So, like, when I the first time I beat this game, I had my ideas about what the story was and I was mad, but I also didn't really get what was going on. And so I had to go on Reddit and like read an explanation of everything that happened. And then I was like even more upset because I was like, what the fuck was that? But like a lot of the game design changes they made in here actually make it really, really tough to tell what's going on with the story. And the biggest thing that they do is they changed like document collection to this weird system where like you have to pick up a piece of paper, even if it's like a piece of paper that your character could theoretically just put in their pocket or put in their backpack or whatever. He has to pick it up and point his camera at it for like 15 seconds, like a little camera icon flashes on screen. And until it's done flashing, you haven't actually like collected the document. And some of these are actually placed in the middle of chases. So like, while you're being chased by a bunch of like hillbillies with machetes, you're supposed to like stop for 15 seconds and like record a video of a piece of paper. Uh, it is literally the weirdest choice I've maybe ever seen in a horror game. Like, cause it makes it so you just stop collecting documents. And so you miss out on all the detail of what's going on and you finish the game and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I think you really hit a, um, what we call a good, good moment. As <laughs> you blew the stealth, so you couldn't just go find the note. Yeah, true. If only I had done some grinding in Outlast. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to get your uh, deprived run souls up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. Big time. Big vibes. Big energy. <laughs> um, it is weird. Like this game really does feel like a grind for that reason, though. So like. By the time you get to the end and you see the totally incomprehensible nonsense that's going on within the plot, you're like, where is all this? I missed something. And like, you literally did, you know, you missed the opportunity to point a camera at a piece of paper for 15 seconds so that later you could go in the menu and read it to know what was going on. It is kind of Dark Soulsy if you think about it. <laughs> was this the uh, Dark Souls of uh, atmospheric survival horror games oh, first yeah. person atmospheric survival horror games 
Yeah, Outlast 2 is definitely the Dark Souls of first-person atmospheric survival horror games. You heard it here first. But yeah, so I think we should actually talk about what is going on with the, like, nightmarish plot of this game. Because that's kind of what I really want to talk about, even though I talked about other shit for 45 minutes now. So, like, I DM'd you, I think, the same night that you streamed some Outlast 2 so we could recap. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that I looked up the writer for the game. <clears throat> um, so some pretty heavy themes come up in Outlast 2, and they are handled very poorly. So let's take a look at this man's um, video game... Video gameography? Yeah, I think people say gameography now. Gameography? Gamography? Gamography, I believe is the correct pronunciation. Let's let me let me read some of the some of the high points here. Okay. The first two Splinter Cell games. Nice. The Batman Begins adaptation game. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh Homefront. <laughs> yeah, okay. A just which is just a complete ripoff of um of Red Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> um Minecraft story mode. Oh, yeah. That was sick. That one was sick, for sure. First of all, I would like to say I can confirm that he wrote this Wikipedia entry because (laughs) he has a listing for uncredited script work. If he's uncredited, (laughs) who else knew he did it? I think I I have the answer right here. (laughs) It's one petty individual, if you know what I'm saying. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. So where did we leave off? We, um, I believe we talked about everything except for the plot. Yeah. We talked about the game mechanics and JT Petty JT Petty and his wife that's definitely better than him at horror writing uh-huh. <laughs> I'm still I, I still think he stole one of her like manuscripts and just like tore it apart to try to make it it was fully like the like can I borrow your homework yeah but change it so it doesn't look the same or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah I could totally see that it, it has that feel of like you could see this as like a C-list horror novel. I mean, I used to work at a library. I used to stock and shelve a lot of those. So like I would read them on my break. And uh, this kind of has the feel of that. Yeah, the first one definitely has like bootleg Stephen King feel. Like dollar store Stephen King novel. And then the second one's that's like cr- crossed whoever the fuck wrote that uh i don't i don't know what that is i was gonna say it's like uh that control alt delete comic where his girlfriend has a a miscarriage the original crossed series is like a six episode or a six issue like comic where it's it's literally zombies but instead of just zombos they're basically normal people who get all of their like impulse control erased and so basically everyone's just always cutting people into pieces eating them or assaulting them that's mm-hmm. literally just it 
So like you get infected, you get a rash the shape of a cross on your face, and then all you want to do is like kill someone and then like assault their corpse. And wow. like that's just the whole comic, and it's a, like everyone was like, "Oh no!" But it's like it's it's all about like the characters and then their survival. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> "There's a million zombie stories that just already do exactly what this is doing without the need to be like." There's a bunch of hillbillies jerking off into a bowl together, and then you find out they were jerking off onto bullets so they could shoot people to turn them. What? And I'm just like, who? What? Who comes up with this? And then you look, and you're like, oh, like an Irish white boy. Who else? <laughs> Dude, you can't talk about the Irish anymore. I'm <laughs> Irish. I can do that. I'm yeah, allowed. but you're on my show. I've been formally accused. We can't talk about the Irish anymore. Oh no, he was oh sorry, he was born Northern Ireland, nationality American. <laughs> okay. It's still I'm It's I'm safe, ver- it's safe, it's safe. I'm very cagey about this. We don't speak of the All of these things are kind of in the same uh cinematic universe, if you will, of like edgy <laughs> white boy bullshit. Um and like I feel like that's the big problem with Outlast. And the plot is that it tries to be so over the top edgy, but it has nothing to say. And it's very like inarticulate. The way everything is strung together makes no sense. And it also just doesn't work with the mechanics. So it's sort of like continually pushing you away from the plot until it's like grabbing your head and rubbing your face in it like you're a dog who's just pissed on the carpet. Yeah, the only time you get like a plot beat force fed to you, it's literally so you can watch like torture or see the evidence of sexual assault. Yes. So let's kind of just give a little overview of the plot. We've already warned everybody that this is spoilers, and we've already warned everybody that we're talking about really foul shit. So we can just, you know, we can speak freely here. But um, the overview of the plot is that. You know, like we said earlier, you're this cameraman who's on assignment with his wife. Um, she's a reporter, and you're in a helicopter. Something mysterious happens. Your plane crashes, and then you're just in this survival scenario where you're in this kind of rustic, rootsy hell world where a bunch of you know, quote unquote, crazy hillbillies are trying to kill you, and you're just trying to escape. Um, the general overview of the plot is that you're trying to find your wife you're trying to make sure no harm has come to her but you're also finding out about the cult and the cult is basically like a sex and death breeder cult like they just think that women exist to have babies so they're constantly like basically like like raping women like that's just what they do and the game like even before the game is like just shoving it in your face constantly, they're hinting at it. Like it's very heavily telegraphed. This is something that you and I talked about, Justin, and I'm sure you can comment on, but it's like you figure out what they're doing really early in the game with this aspect of it. Oh yeah. You find out in like the first hour to hour and a half of gameplay that like your wife is not okay. <laughs> yeah. And like, I uh, I like you she, you I don't you, I think you get like a radio like communication from her because you don't find her 
immediately. No. She, or maybe you just hear her. I don't remember. Like, she leaves your recording. But I, I could. I think there's an exchange between the two, so it must have been like a walkie-talkie thing. But she's fully just like, I want to talk about it. But, like, I'm going to say a bunch of vague things that let you know exactly what's happened. Yeah. And... Like, I think the whole thing is it's a really, like, thin, this cult wants to birth some some religious figure for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think it's... I, I think they're literally just trying to trigger the end of the world or something. Yeah. The word Antichrist comes up a lot. Right. So I think, th- I think they're literally trying to birth the Antichrist, so they just keep... And I, I feel like the impression I get is like it's just a cult leader that gets to have all the women and everyone else can't. Yeah. And they just get to kill themselves, which is just like <laughs> so that is literally so a twelve year old in his room listening to like corn trying to write something edgy. That is so well that dude that you really haven't even uh cracked the surface of the edginess here which is that the the parallel plot lines here is that you're finding out about this cult who has taken possession of your wife who it's heavily suggested are basically just use women to like birth babies for some nefarious purpose they're led by this very large, like grotesque leader. You see him torture people. You see him kill people. You know, you hear his voice a lot. He's like this shadowy antagonist, but you also just, you have a lot of data on him, I guess. Um, and while that's happening, you're also getting flashbacks to when you were in Catholic school, apparently. And there's this parallel plot line that literally never syncs up with the main plot line, but you just keep having these visions and flashbacks to Catholic school where the head of the school, who was a priest, you know, sexually assaulted a really young female student. And then she committed suicide. And that is happening at the same time as the main plot line is happening. And it is, literally just the most pointless like gratuitous thing just thrown in to be like look at this you know so what happens with that specific storyline to just go ahead and spoil the entire thing is that the the priest or the teacher whoever it is at that school he kills her but he gaslights you into believing that she killed herself. Uh-huh. That's that whole thing. Okay. So, like, you've already written a, like, child assault plot line that then has the other child in the equation being brainwashed into thinking that his friend killed herself after she was molested. Yeah. That's... So, it's, it's just, like, tr- a lot of layers of just awful shit. And then you you factor in how that does not tie into the main plot and only just creates a separate timeline where this guy quote unquote could not save two different women from being assaulted. Yeah. Like, so I don't know if this dude's just a total hack or if like something really fucked up happened to this guy in real life and he's just putting it in the story, but well, it's just like, it's gratuitous for like the sake of it. Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't know why this dude really didn't think that one storyline of that was enough and you needed a second one. Yeah. 
and that it had to be a child for this one. <laughs> yeah. Because it feels added in. It, it just doesn't flow. Yeah. Well, and here's another big piece of this, too, is that I'll, we'll talk more <laughs> very soon about why I think this is all bullshit. But a big reason why I don't think any of this even merits consideration like in terms of being taken seriously is because the way that the story is told is super weird and incoherent. And so it's like the game wants to be vague and to challenge the player to put together these plot lines. But at the same time, like they're throwing these insane themes in your face and these insane things that you're just like, like, Things you can't play with, right? Things that get a visceral reaction from you when you see them. And so I think that's what struck me as being so foul. Because, like, so the plot that you just described, like, the way that you experience it in the game makes, like, so little sense. Like, you just keep seeing the images, and so you've already kind of made up your mind about what's happened. And then at the end of the game, they're like, oh, no, this is what really happened, right? Um, and then they do the exact same thing with the main plot line, but just in a way that is like much more graphic and shocking. And so it's like, what was the point of this? Like, if you're going to be so coy and you're going to be so weird about what you show me and don't show me, but then you're also using these crazy themes like suicide, childbirth, sexual assault, pedophilia, you know, child death, like all these sorts of things. It's like, why do you feel that you can be so weird and, and coy about it and make it so confusing? Like, it just feels like you're playing with these elements that are actually like very, very heavy, you know, and it just feels really shitty. I feel like we got to take one second to point out that scene very early where you're in the cave and there's like a hole in the ceiling, like a skylight in the shape of a cross. And then there's just a mound of fetuses or whatever. Yeah. Like just like, God, just really boring, like pedestrian shock imagery. Well, there's so much in this game. There's so much. The whole story is super disjointed when you also consider they sort of try to make it connected to the first game mm-hmm. by making like a loose association to that corporation that was doing the testing in the asylum. Yeah. And saying that like, they're the reason that all the weird, cause all of the, the strange things that occur in the game that to your perception as a character are real are just, it's just like a scientific test thing for some MK ultra bullshit. I'm sure. Yeah, where that's, every everyone's hallucinating. It's like a mind control test, essentially gone wrong. That's actually a really cool writing device that a lot of really great authors use. It's called "It Was All a Dream." Yeah, don't know if you're familiar with that one. <laughs> it's, it's really high level stuff. Look, there's a difference between "It Was All a Dream" and "It Was All the CIA." Okay, <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see the difference. I don't CIA it. <laughs> I don't CIA color. God, they don't. <laughs> no, they really don't. They're very not non-discriminatory. They're the, they're a very progressive organization. The Central Intelligence Agency. Yeah, when they're, when they're importing new drugs to spread through the country. Yeah, isn't that their motto? Keep your third eye open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what MK Ultra was all about. It was a self-help class. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, no, you know, that that's actually a really good thing to bring up because, like, with the main storyline, my biggest gripe with it, everything aside, like, take all the theming aside, take everything that happens aside, my biggest gripe with it is that they offload all of that information to side content that you need to, like, grab while you're doing chase scenes or while you're doing this really crazy confusing shit. I mentioned this previously, but they changed the mechanic you use to pick up notes uh, to be that you need to like pull out your camera and stare at a piece of paper while a little camera icon blinks for like 10 seconds. Then when it's done, then you have the note banked. You can read it later and the game like counts it as like you having collected it. And it's just so ridiculous because it means that you're in these super tense situations and you can't pick up the notes. And so you just like don't get the lore and you don't get the story. So even though they're trying to do this crazy, it was all a dream thing. Chances are, if you get to the end of the game, you probably don't even know that. Like when I finished my first playthrough, all I know is that I saw a graphic depiction of childbirth followed by the mother dying. (laughs) And that was, yeah, of course. Women can't survive anything in this story. Yeah. And that was not like... Allowed. Not allowed. It's not allowed. It's haram, okay? It's against his religion. Um, that was all I knew. Like, leaving the game. And then, like I said earlier, I had to go to Reddit and read someone's explanation of it. And it was just like, I can't believe they've done this. I can't believe you've done this. Why the fuck would you do this? Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, the first game had a the more important notes that you could find were usually just sort of you enter a new area and almost immediately in front of you is a note yeah something in pretty plain sight because you do a lot more there is a lot more aimless isn't the right word but you're just walking around for a while like you're not being chased you're not hiding you are just exploring right and two just drops that almost completely. You're always trying to hide or getting chased by someone. You get maybe 30 seconds of walking around looking at stuff before somebody's trying to like bust down a door. Yeah. But like, you know, the notes are either like out of the way, out of the way, and you have to go search for them in those really brief um, just exploration sections. And then the rest of them are just around while you're getting chased by the hills have eyes type dudes yeah exactly so so let me tell you a little bit what the experience like then is to to kind of feel out the main plot as you're playing the game so like i said you're in this scenario with this sex and death cult uh you're getting all these like you know transmissions from the leader you know he's a big gross dude whatever then you get to the end of the game and two important things happen Number one, you find the fuck hole, which is just a cave where a bunch of people are fucking each other. Um, and it's super gross. And it's like, what is going on here? Because it's very yeah, it's like, like, it's kind of blurry, though. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So it's edgier and scarier because you can't actually see it. Yeah, exactly. And also, like you said earlier, it's like the edgy stuff in this game is so like seventh grade. You're being led by a character that looks maybe a little too much like one of the grass skirt Resident Evil 5 characters. (laughs) Sure. That's like talking to you kind of in that way. Yeah. Because of course, and then she leads you into the sex hole where where your wife is visibly pregnant and in pain. 
yeah. strung up, of course. Yeah. And so it's just like another reason this game can just not be taken seriously is like all of this imagery, like it's tasteless. Like none of it is like, you're like, oh no, I can't believe it. You're just like, I can't believe it because I assume the people who made this game are older than 12. Like who older than 12 is like, yeah, we're going to have a pit full of dead babies and we're going to have a pregnant lady strung up and like, you know, like, I mean, people that are really into QAnon probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This game has like gent YouTube QAnon essay vibes. Well, JT Petty was born in 1977. Um, So he's, he's in his mid forties. Yeah. Uh, he is from North Carolina. Everyone else in this game is clearly like French. <laughs> so like you're really you're really kind of getting two parts of the world that are just not equipped to deal with uh, these sorts of plot lines. Yeah, for sure. But so the very end of the game is you find your wife. She's pregnant and she's like, I'm about to have my baby. Uh and you're like, okay, I'm going to deliver the baby. Uh, and then uh, the game graphically simulates uh, the, your wife giving birth to a child. You see it. You see all of it. Um, and then she dies. And then you look down and you realize that the baby wasn't real. Nothing was real. Your wife is just dead. And then you just like walk outside and that's the end of the game. So yeah, basically it sucks a lot. (laughs) Um, And I, I was just so fucking taken aback. Like by that point in the game, it was just like, okay, so you've made all of these choices that are super edgy. You've, you know, more or less just told me that like this character I've been chasing the whole game, who's my wife was like sexually assaulted and either killed herself or died or I killed her. Like my player character killed her. And it's like, you don't even have the full picture at that point because the game mechanics are so shitty. And it's like, why, why did they do this? What was the point of this? I think that was like, And it sucks because that's the end of the game. So you've already played the whole game. You've seen the whole game. And that's when I was like, I hate this more than anything. Like, this is absolute garbage, you know? So I got to ask, since I admittedly did not get to the very end of this game. Does she does she say my baby? Is she fully like my baby, my baby? Like (laughs) she somehow got brainwashed into like wanting the baby. Is that part of the story? It's kind like, of unclear. Okay. Um, also, it, how did is this supposed to be one of those psycho like the baby went to full term in ten hours like satanic magic shit or like is it supposed to have been nine months? Well, no. It it all hinges on that mind control thing. So yeah, like yeah. the actual plot of the game is basically that the cult leader he has these uh, like loudspeakers all over yeah. the village. And he broadcasts messages that brainwash people. Uh, And so everyone who's in there is under his control. That's why you're seeing visions. That's why all this crazy shit is happening because like it's because of MK ultra, like you said. And so when you get to the end of that story, it's just so weird. Cause it's like a combination of like 
we fridged your wife and it was all a dream and you know the downfallen male hero and like all these like horrible shitty sexist tropes and it like graphically simulated your wife dying in like a really horrifying way and it's like what's the point of this like yeah at that point you fully hit the you made all this terrible shit to quite literally no end yeah and the thing that's crazy is that like this game made me feel so fucked up that like I was literally just avoiding games that had any similarities to it. Cause I was like, I do not oh, want yeah. to fall into this fucking trap again. But, uh, amnesia rebirth actually has a fair amount of similarities to this game. And I think is actually done really well. Um, you play as a pregnant woman. And at one point you actually like give birth in the game and it's like done. Well, it's not this weird, voyeuristic like dude crouched in front of this like woman type of scenario and like it's just so crazy to return to this game after that and be like oh this is actually worse than i thought because they could have actually dealt with some of these issues like in a tasteful way or in a much better way i think the question when i see something like this when i play something like this is like was there a way to tell the story that wouldn't have been just sexist pointlessly edgy garbage and a lot of times it's like hard to say because like oh maybe this is the only thing like this is this the only thing that's tried to do that but that's not really true because i think that like games like faith and visage and amnesia rebirth kind of all have a lot of these themes but are done in a way that is just not disrespectful and not just like not just so like voyeuristic, you know? Yeah, those games don't rely as heavily on showing you a thing. They rely more on the implication of something without even implying it directly, you know? Yeah. Like it's just, it's a vibe you get. It's an environmental thing. Those games are scary or interesting based on everything else they do and they don't require showing you disgusting shit. To yeah. be scary. And this game fully just relies on as much shock horror as it possibly can. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's kind of hard to explain to some people. Um, like maybe someone who'd pop into a Discord and say, I'm a sick fuck. I like gore. You know, the like Joker? <laughs> the Joker. I'm the Joker, baby. Yeah, for the listeners who aren't informed, uh, we were actually visited in the Discord by the Joker. You may by have heard of jo- by the Joker, Mister <laughs> J, if Miss, you will, Mister J uh, himself. Um, no, but like I, I know, like I've been doing horror media stuff for a <clears> few <throat> years now with a couple different <laughs> podcasts and one thing that comes up a lot either from interacting with people or just talking about stuff is like there is always a tension between like I like horror and I have a voyeuristic need to see like gore or violence or whatever Mm -hmm. right and I think that with something like Outlast it's really like kind of boundary pushing in a bad way in terms of like problematic themes you know where it's like okay we know that people are going to make work that deal with problematic issues like assault or that deal with issues like, you know, um, 
like the church and like pedophilia in the church and like stuff like that. And that's fine. But if you take something like that, that's a real thing. And then you morph it into just a vessel to shock the player. You not only take the, any, you not only take away any impact you could have had with your work, but you also like insult the reality of that concept. You know, it's like, yeah, there's a way to level a complaint at, um, that particular event in the Catholic Church's history without making a game that's just Catholic priests molests a child and makes you think that that child killed themselves when they actually killed them. Right. Like, if you're just trying to take a stab at organized religion, you can do it without, like, making a really grotesque visual of, like, a child being, being, uh, you know mistreated i guess i'm really yeah. tired of like referring to child I know. assault inside hogs i know um, and that there's like there's there's ways to do it um to, to take that to take a an, a stab at, at religion and you said earlier that you think maybe there's a way you could make this game without doing a lot of the gross stuff I don't think this game would have a an identity without any of it. Oh, I don't know. There's like, there's no way to do that to this game. I think there are no. other games that have dealt with the same themes, but no, this game's a mess. Yeah, like the the part where they try to connect it to the the Outlast extended universe seems really kind of tacked on because that's literally in a note. The part where they say like, oh, it was actually the the big corporation the whole time they were just in a bunker that overlooked <laughs> the whole town like yeah. that's that's hacky and like last minute yeah all the stuff with the with the childhood friend that's all like so many parts are tacked on and i it is so hard to tell how much of this is intentional and how much of it was like we've been working on this game for four years we gotta get this thing out of <laughs> yeah. here like we gotta ship i it. don't i can't tell you why it seems like a mess to me it's it's one of those games where like you, like I would rather it be a good game that's just plagued with a lot of like bugs and stuff but instead it's like a really well polished game mm-hmm. that is a dumpster fire yeah well and one thing that I've been harping on since like basically the start of this show is that a work of art needs to earn the ability to talk about certain themes and so if you're going to bring up certain themes or ideas, you have to deal with them. You know, that's something I talk a lot about in terms of representation, where it's like, it's okay if you just have, or it's great if you have characters in your game that aren't just straight white males. But if you want them to like talk about their identity and have these like very serious conversations, well then suddenly that has to be the focus of the game. Like you've raised a serious issue, you can't just like breeze past it. You know what I mean? Um, that's my view on it. Not saying that that's like universal, but I feel very strongly in the same way about stuff like the issues that they raise in this game, where it's like you could take any of the one tiny things that they pick in this game and you could make a whole story around it because it's so heavy and it's so real that it deserves that time and space and thought in order to like justify its inclusion. And that's what makes the game so galling is that it just has like 15 things like that. It just throws everything in the pot. So nothing is treated with 
respect and nothing is given the space that it would require to merit its inclusion, you know? Yeah, it's very wild that this is like a 15 hour game and they at no point in that 15 hours do they deal with anything. Yeah. They just kind of keep trying to shock you for 15 hours. Yeah. I, I don't know whose call that was. I don't know what genius over it. Whatever. What, what's this? What's this dev studio called? Red Barrels. Red Barrels. More like Brown Barrels. Woo! Because <laughs> they shit. Um. <laughs> okay yeah it's it's really 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 frustrating i I just think it's like it's super frustrating because i think that there's that impulse in horror to create like a fun house or to create like a roller coaster ride and so that's why you get you know a movie that has a bunch of different bad guys or like a game that has a bunch of different areas that are all different but like you can't do that with realistic trauma that happens to people. Like you can't just create a fun house of the misery that befalls women in societies ruled by organized religion. Like there's no way you can do that respectfully. And especially not if you're just like a fucking dude, like, no, don't do that. A thing that really worries me about a game like this, that kind of has the level of success that this franchise has is that it it potentially sends a message to other developers of various sizes that this is good somehow that it's like okay for you to just shoot all of this crap into your narrative formula and it will be good and that you can just do a bunch of schlocky shock horror stuff mm-hmm. like i I I forgot what game it was when I was looking up some like itch games and there was the one where the guy was like, don't play this game if you can't handle graphic like child sexual content or something. And I was like, excuse me? Yeah. Like I like I should probably go find that game again to be like, itch, you got to do something about this. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, like, this is, is this itch? I will give you $100 to send this man to therapy. Like, what the fuck? I'd like to start a paid customer service ticket. I'm going to pay you to do something about this. Like, I'm, I'm, I get the feeling if I went to Steam and I filtered all the, you know, first person atmospheric psychological horror walking sim games and looked at them like after the release date of this one to now, there would be a bunch of just. Like the weird stuff that's a little too like woman hating and yeah. whatnot, or like horny. Like, yeah, I feel like there's probably an uncomfortable number of those. Yeah, well, I think that's just a that's a thing about horror, right? Like, yeah, that's just a constant in horror, and it's partially what makes talking about horror stuff like hard, and what makes it suck because like there is this subset of the fandom and the people who create this stuff and the people who want to talk about the stuff that just want the edgiest, most gruesome shit. They don't think that there's anything wrong with it. And like, that's horror to them. And then there's people like us who are like, no, you need to approach this in a way that actually like merits, you know, consideration. You can't just throw all that shit into the pot. I think the problem with video games or what makes it uniquely frustrating with video games is that, like I've said many times, there's still just a lot of like juvenile attitudes surrounding it. So like 
in horror movies, for example, like there is an entire subgenre of horror movies called rape revenge, but it's very controversial. So for every person who's like, there's nothing wrong with these movies, there's another person equal and opposite who's like, I will not watch these movies. Fuck this whole genre. Right? Like, and it seems like in horror movies, despite how like shitty those fandoms get as well, there is a balance. I think in video games, it's much more weighted towards the like, have you played baby killer simulator eight? It's so scary, (laughs) you know, like, and, and that's why, like, I mean, the big reason we want to make this episode in the first place is that like, nobody talks about this game in this way. And it's like, no, this was one of the biggest horror games that came out in the last decade. And it's like a total piece of shit. (laughs) And like in the way that it handles its themes and the way that it's like disrespectful to basically everyone, like this should be a conversation, but unlike in film where that conversation would probably start, it's harder to get it started in video games. Well, that's what's sinister about this game is all the like shitty, like devil horny baby killer games on Steam. All those just have the 200 sickos that just play those games and love them mm-hmm. and they don't get circulated on a mass scale. Yeah. Like that's that's for a, com- a completely separate crowd of like basement dweller like freaks. Mm-hmm. But games like this like I think production value does a lot to convince the average person that like themes like this are like done well. Yeah. Like just because these stories are placed in a game that looks visually nice and is generally well polished, like they're like, oh, they really went there. They went there with this game. They got dark. Yeah. And that's that's all it is to them. It's like, oh, this is a scary game. I'm supposed to be grossed out. Uh-huh. And there's is no critical thought because the average like games journalist that like whoever at Game Informer played this fucking game is probably the person who said that they liked Silent Hill 2, but, like, couldn't Uh tell you why, and just they got them to play this. Yeah. So they're just going to be like, oh, man, Dead Babies, this is horrifying. Eight out of (laughs) ten. Yeah. And not be like, hey, why are you just, like, always having everyone getting assaulted all the time? And then just being like, it was just a bad dream. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, what happened to anybody? Then what really happened? What is the truth? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that that's the big thing, too, at the end of this, where it's just like, there is no point to anything that happens in this game. It's all just stuff that's casually tossed off. The story is completely incoherent. And once you piece it together, it's like, well, none of that was in the game. And so it's just like, you were literally just using all the things we've been talking about this whole time. But yes, I'm also sick of saying um, to just try and like shock the player and just be like, oh, look how look how crazy and shocking this is. And it's like, fuck, fuck that. Um, yeah, it totally gets a pass just because it, it's a really pretty game. Clearly had a huge budget. I mean, the people who made it on a nuts and bolts level, like knew what they were doing like i said earlier i think it has is it actually a pretty bad game to play um yeah as well but that's like it is well made enough that that's up for debate and so that kind of makes it frustrating once again this conversation just becomes more frustrating because of that yeah like i think a lot of the reasons that it didn't get like higher scores is actually based in some of the gameplay mechanic stuff mm-hmm. and like less in the story department 
I, the game got banned in Australia specifically because of some of the story beats. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the like six to seven out of tens are due to like the a lot of the game mechanics. But I mean, like it is like visually a very well made game and like not on the mechanic side, but just the being able to move around a world that doesn't glitch out on you and that like the inputs work and it feels like a good game, like yeah. all that's there. So that's enough to smooth over some of the like bad gameplay and then have a person who doesn't really engage with horror stuff much like get get some form of a horror experience out of the game sure. like it's it's easy enough to move around in the game world and get spooked so yeah. to them it's a good game <laughs> yeah for sure well i think that's another thing that's kind of difficult too is that like one thing i think about a lot but i don't talk about a lot because it's like not really for the audience of this show but like for a lot of people horror is always going to be like a secondary type of thing just because there's so many people who are like i mm -hmm. don't do that i don't do horror movies i don't play horror games like i don't interact with it so when they come to it it is literally like you're saying it's just like a spook fest like oh can i just jump in and get spooked like they're not trying to complete the game they're not trying to take in the story they're not trying to really consider any of it and so it does become like somewhat frustrating when you start to have these more like critical or analytical conversations because it's like a huge chunk of the world will just not interact with this game or this type of game in that way and so you're kind of always like paddling upstream you know yeah hor horror can be seasonal to a lot of those people i guess yeah like horror is always going to be like michael myers yeah. for 30 days out of the year and that's that's it so they don't need to critically analyze it right but I think what's so fucked up about that is that horror historically has always been like a great place for you know critical commentary about society like there's tons of messaging and commentary within horror of any format and so it's just it just kind of sucks that there's also this general feeling of like oh well we don't have to really consider it like you know if you're just some streamer this is just another game in the queue for october along with like a bunch of really crappy just like steam garbage you know and it's like no this this one should <laughs> should have a light shined upon it because it, it is real garbage bone deep garbage yeah and i guess the thing i'm kind of thinking about now after all this um I think that maybe despite how popular it was, how much it sold, how it got scored, I think that maybe it is still kind of like derided a bit. Because I feel like when I see Outlast on sale, it's always like $2 for Outlast or you can give them 10 bucks for everything. Yeah. Like, it's never like, hey, don't you want to buy Outlast 2 for $9? Like, no. Nobody <laughs> does. Yeah. Like, everyone wants the first one still. Yeah. We are kind of verging into a bit of a Streisand effect with this episode because, like, there's a reason nobody really talks about this game. I think a lot of people who played it just want to let it lie. Definitely did not have the impact of the first game. You don't hear it brought up. And, and you know, it all, like I said previously it came out around the same time as resident evil 7 and resident evil 7 just blew it 
out of the water, you know, like, and they have a lot of similarities. I mean, they, they both have some edgy themes. They both are a mix of action game and walking sim, but Resident Evil 7 just did that mixture way better. They did the story better because it's just, it's kept light, you know, it's not really like trying to give you any heavy themes. It's just, you know, a game. Uh, and yeah, so I think this game really did just get blown out of the water. I think maybe they thought they were like making or starting the next generation of like walking sim type games with this edgy story and these new mechanics. And I think even people who like this game didn't feel that way. You know what I mean? I'm thinking they had a, a much more skeletal experience in place. And then when footage of seven really came out and people saw that it was going to be like a very Southern Gothic game. They kind of rushed to do something because you have way more notable. I'd say likable just for lack of a better term, like characters in that game. You have a cast of characters. Yeah. You have like distinct biomes. It's there's a more engaging gameplay loop. I didn't love every aspect of the gameplay in seven, right. but it was certainly more functional and fun to play than trying to hide in the tall grass and outlast. Yeah. And like look through your camera. Um, mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I think maybe that's why it's such a disjointed game is because they had to scramble after taking so long to develop it anyway. Yeah. Just because of that, that, that RE7 release. Yeah, that could be. And like, yeah, I, I think it's just, once again, this game, another reason why I wasn't rushing to talk about it also is that like, it just got blown out of the water in 2017. 2017 was like, maybe my favorite year in modern games because you had prey evil within two and resident evil seven like i have lots of problems with resident evil seven i think anyone who, who listens to the show knows that but it is like a really good game and especially playing it when it came out was nuts so like 2017 was nuts and i think it's also funny that two of those games i would say resident evil seven and prey both accomplish a lot of the things that this game wanted to do but are just in a totally different league you know what i mean like prey has that immersive sim very stealth heavy kind of open area design resident evil 7 just has the southern gothic mix of walking sim and action game and like they just both i mean games like that just blew this game out of the water i think it is kind of left in the past and that's for the best everyone should just leave this game behind if you've listened to this whole episode now you know everything there is to know about this garbage game and like we just don't have to talk about it again (laughs) um but yeah so i could totally see that as a possibility that they were just trying to keep up with resident evil 7 i feel like games of this style have pretty like fairly well avoided some some of the grosser uh, subplots that like to come up in horror and looks I mean like so layers of fear hit before this game mm-hmm. like by a year and like the most egregious thing that game did plot wise spoiler I guess if anyone still hasn't played it is it's basically like you killed your wife 
Yeah. Like, that's just the mystery is you killed your wife. Right. Because that's what you do in, like, Victorian horror is you're a man who kills his wife. Yes. And then yes. forgets it and is all upsetty over it. Yeah. Like, that's usually, that, like you know, that was, like, the worst that stuff would get. And, like, I feel like the thing that happens sometimes in horror is you have a really popular like good or bad it's just popular example of something that deals with some things and that can alter the trajectory of stuff to come for a little while so my worry is that like we're in a post outlast two era well i wouldn't worry like i said i i don't really think anyone like no major releases have picked up thread that this game put down you know what I mean? Like, I think the closest thing to that would be, well, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Amnesia Rebirth and Visage. I think both are on a somewhat similar wavelength, but those games are so much better. They're not using these kind of things for just, like, shock horror and being disrespectful. And they're ultimately just, like, really good games. Um, Visage is interesting to talk about in this context because Visage really tiptoes up to that like adolescent edgelord kind of vibe. Like the opening scene is like from a first person view of someone killing their whole family and then killing themselves. So it's like, okay, you know, we know what time it is. <laughs> but at the same time like you it doesn't have that vibe to the way that it treats its characters or the way that it presents its story like I just don't think it's on it's not on the same wavelength as this game in that way um yeah and so like I you know and the same with Rebirth where it's like Amnesia Rebirth where it's like yeah there's some things in the game that are unexpected or kind of edgy or whatever but like uh, it's never done disrespectfully and the game ultimately is really good so I, I think it's been nice to see that there are major release games that could have gone more this route that actively chose not to so yeah yeah but I think a, yeah and you bring up Visage like I feel like Visage doesn't take anything from this game like not a single point yeah for sure like so much of that game feels a little more like a I mean, maybe maybe not exactly like Resident Evil 7. Like, it's definitely got a lot from that and, like, PT. Yeah. But it, it did a lot on its own to, to find somewhat of its own identity. Yeah. And it's just scarier. Like, yeah, like, Outlast's whole obsession with just the only thing that's scary is the fear of being found and chased. Sure. Is, like, it's pretty thin, but then when you make a game where all you do is get chased, it just falls apart. And I think I said that when like you were playing it and I was watching the other day. Like you're you're always staring whatever is after you directly in the face all the time. Yeah, exactly. So it's not scary and the tension just immediately turns to frustration. Yeah. It's not the first game was a little more you're just walking around and there's some jump scares that are well timed. Mm -hmm. And then you have an actual chase scene where it is a little tense and you're trying to figure out where you're supposed to go to hide. Yeah. And this can be frustrating, but generally, like, that tension holds a little better. And in this game, it's just tedium at best. Because yeah. you're always looking at giant, like, ugly tall lady 
chasing you in circles and it, it's not tense and it's not scary. Yeah. And then like a game like Visage is just so <laughs> like viscerally horrifying sometimes. Yeah. Like it it times everything, or at least in like the three to four hours I played, times everything extremely well. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Outlast 2 is just really bad at being a scary game. So it's really bad at being it's really bad at being anything. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Like it's a great visual um proof of concept. Yeah, for sure. It's a sort of, like it looks so good that you wish it was anything else. Yeah. And was yeah. better. <laughs> Literally anything. <laughs> <laughs>